way better than Rogue One. Oh, way better than Force Awakens. Oh my Awaken. gosh, I love this Wars movie. movie that fell it's into probably my favorite Star Wars movie since The Empire Strikes Muppets. Back. Kylo Ren kills Snoke. This is Last Jedi Star Wars spoilers. What's happening? Hey everybody, and welcome to a very special spoilers star wars the last jedi second installment edition joining me tonight we have josh from goshen indiana how's it going josh it is going great i am so relieved to be talking to someone that's seen this movie uh i've just been sitting in isolation getting like super mad weird sad and happy reading reviews online by myself so this is a good outlet when a guy who shares at least half of his DNA, his brother, recording out of Greensboro, North Carolina, it's Jordan. Hey now, Jordan, what's going on? At, at least half? What the fuck is that? I don't, I don't know. It's <laughs> not very scientific. I don't know. That was, a, that was not a very good Chuck Freebie segue. Um, but yeah, Thanks. good to talk to you as well, Pappy. How, speaking of isolation, Ooh. Pappy. Yeah. How was your tank experience today? Uh, it was pretty cool. It a float tank, like uh, No Rogaine told me to on his podcast. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I recommend it, but it's not as cool as seeing a Star Wars movie, which I'm sure we're all in agreement with. Today's show is pretty special. Uh, we have a couple call-ins, a couple clips we pulled from the internet of reactions from, from users online. But before we give you our opinion, we have Rosh Hashanah Ryan... And <laughs> you did a really good job. And <laughs> Bowie and Gain uh, here to give their reviews. Uh, we'll come back from that and get into Act One, Act Two, Act Three of Spoiling the Last Jedi. Take it away, Rasha Shar. All right. <laughs> good morning. Uh, just have a question for you. If you are one of these people who post up things about movies, you know, give movie reviews before anybody else gets a chance to see it as in say the movie's released today so like spoiler and like you our post podcast. a review or a giveaway of something that's happened in the movie so my question for you is one why do you do it because you know there's a lot of people who have not watched the movie yet two are you stupid or three are you selfish I mean if you are really seeking attention my advice to you is to stand in front of a mirror and talk to yourself <laughs> just try that don't ruin the movie for the rest of us I'm talking about The Last Jedi. It was released yesterday in Malaysia. And you're already posting up stuff about it. For the love of God, man. Really? Muppets? Muppets. <laughs> Muppets. <laughs> I guess, I guess so, first of all, Rosh Hashanah Ryan, I am not familiar with Malaysia's movie release schedule, so I'm not necessarily <laughs> concerned with spoiling <laughs> movies for our Malaysian fans. Uh, any comments, guys? <laughs> I mean, I don't think we're looking for attention either. I'm pretty sure we just do this so we can listen to it ourselves. I, um, I'm pretty sure we're stupid, not looking for attention. If those are the two choices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go talk into a mirror for a while. I guess, yeah, but I guess on that note, was The Last Jedi spoiled in any respect for you guys? Or did you guys go on clean? Clean as a baby's bottom. Clean? I was... Clean, yeah. I don't know how, but like you said on our major spoilers episode the other day, Pap, no leaks in the Millennium Falcon. Less leaks than the White House, the <laughs> Star Wars trilogy has. 
It's pretty airtight. And speaking of an airtight deep, th- airtight deep thoughts, let's throw it to Bowie and Gain for his his review that we found on Instagram, which was hashtag the Last Jedi review. Take it away, Bowie and Gain. Come to my door. As you, when you knock, you smell them crock pots. You gonna know. <laughs> smell the crock pot. I ain't starving that out. When you come to my door, you gonna know I ain't stopping at all, nigga. You gonna smell it. You gonna smell that food. You gonna know we ain't starving at all. Was he talking about roasting a porg over open fire? <laughs> why was it why some did, false advertising? With that. Why was the hashtag the Last Jedi? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, Maybe it's part of a that, larger series that we're not aware of. But. Was that a real thing? Uh, I feel like this is a gag that you guys no, are making me listen to it's not a goof. Thing. That was a real <laughs> hashtag The Last Jedi on Instagram. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to jump on the bandwagon, like ride that <laughs> trending tag. <laughs> he's into some okay. like analogies and metaphors that I haven't gotten around to thinking of yet, so... I mean, maybe he has some good points. Yeah, I'd, maybe. <laughs> well, if you guys enjoyed those clips, there's more where that came from. But for now, <laughs> let's jump into our review of The Last Jedi. So, like we said, we're going to go through Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 super quickly. So, uh, I guess starting off with Act 1, we had this crawl. through the opening crawl up until where Leia goes Superman. Um one of the things that kind of stuck out <laughs> to me was the sort of opening evacuation scene. So the movie opens up with the La Resistance escaping from the planet that they're on <laughs> and jumping across an interstellar planet. Uh, Josh, did you have any thoughts on maybe that opening escape scene or the opening crawl or anything that jumped out to you there? Yeah, on the opening crawl, uh, Money Mike, who's not with us on the pod today, he tweeted... Like in that clapback fashion where it shows a hand clapping between every word. He was like, I do not read the opening crawl in Star Wars. And so, like, I really want to know what's going through his head when he's in a movie theater looking at a screen and there's yeah. word scrolling. Yeah, he's tweeting that. Like, he's taking the time to, like, type a word, find the emoji, type the word, find the emoji, like, in the middle of a goddamn movie theater. <laughs> oh, okay. To, to be fair, it wasn't really necessary on this one. Like, you kind of got the picture that they were doing an evac, like, right away. And again, like, even though, like, the last movie ended with, like, uh, the First Order being handed, like, one of the worst setbacks they've had in the war so far, they still have, like, an incredible advantage. Like, these guys are backed up. Like, there's, like, a hundred people left in La Resistance, apparently. And Poe... Okay. Also, also part of the reason that Mikey doesn't read the scroll is because Mikey can't read. That's so. true. <laughs> 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 but so in that opening thing, Poe is sort of o- orchestrating an attack uh, to as in a diversion. Um, he comes up in a lone X-Wing and starts talking shit to uh, Admiral Hux, right? That's his, that's his rank. Yeah. Uh, and this sort of t- ties into something that comes up over and over again in the morning and something we, or in the movie and something we have a, on a couple calls is that this movie tries to be really funny. Um, did the humor in that opening scene work for you guys where it's like, hey, this is Poe. <laughs> oh, I'll hold. It reminded me of Austin Powers for some reason 
and it's like this dictator mm-hmm. just kind of being completely undercut by a wisecracker. Um, I didn't think it was that bad, actually. I kind of enjoyed the scene, and they kind Poe did that in the Force Awakens right away too to Kylo Ren. He's like, "Are you supposed yeah. to talk now, or am I supposed to talk now?" So I kind of like how they've done that to start out both movies on a lighter note. I don't know. I didn't hate it. I thought it it kind of reminded me of uh, there's a scene in the original movies where Han is like trying to say some code, and he kind of just like stalls for a second. And he and shoots the control console, like yeah. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Like it kind of reminded me of that. There's some no, times we're all later okay where, here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all good. Um, there's some times later in the movie when the humor bothered me, but this I think was not totally out of character for Poe. Well, and that's so that's that's the scene for that plot line. Then we jump over to Ray and Luke leaving where we left off. Um, I don't think I saw anyone on the internet predict that once Ray or once Luke has a lightsaber, is going to toss it over his shoulder, completely nonchalantly. Um, I guess what did you guys think about that scene? For me, I I was initially kind of like shocked and surprised, and maybe like scoffed a little bit but like on a rewatch it's kind of like I don't know it seems like they're trying to just like invert or subvert every expectation possible set up by The Force Awakens to the detriment of the film even this was a bit of humor that I hated a lot I thought Luke's like just that was kind of like a a gag and I feel like there's a lot of people that have been waiting on like what the fuck is Luke gonna do and all that and it kind of made light of his situation and everything and it just like didn't fit with his character i guess i don't really it's really hard for me to talk about this early in the pod because i hate i think everything that happened with luke in this film and this is like one of the first things yeah i'm i'm really pretty hot and bothered by it i well let's let's go ahead and just like dive into everything that happens on and i don't have the island's name in front of me but Every part of that training sequence, I guess, what what bothered you the most about Luke and Ray's interplay? There were two quotes that from Mark Hamill that seemed particularly forced. Um, when he, quote, finally explains what happened between him and Kylo, and it's like just this really quick explanation. Which was that he tried to kill Kylo. He's like, in this momentary lapse of judgment, I busted out my lightsaber, but it was a mistake. It just seemed like that's something that should have been a reveal at the end of this movie, and they should have had more something substance well, to that. And that that undercuts his whole arc in the first or the original trilogy. So Luke's just still kind of like this baby, impulsive. I don't know, like not mature Obi Wan type character. He still has a lot to learn. Still needs Yoda to force ghost in. Like that. And on that really same note, me. yeah. The other quote that I really didn't like was when. He like rips on Ray for quote going straight to the dark side without hesitation or something like that. I mean, he jumps on her so quick and he's like so shocked that like she has a stark image. If you remember him back with Yoda in the cave, he had like this super dark image of Darth Vader's helmet crushing in. It's like his face. Like, isn't that expected, Jordan? What, what did you think? Because I mean, the whole like. Luke almost going to the dark side for a second like he's supposed to be a mentor to the next generation of Jedi and he he literally almost 
murders his nephew and that whole like Josh said the whole scene's explained away with like it was a momentary moment of weakness like I really felt that that undercut the character of Luke but I kind of get what you guys are saying it didn't bother me quite that much though I kind of enjoyed the um like his initial story and then Kylo Ren's version of it and then Ray being able to find out like it definitely was somewhere in the middle. Well, in each one too, like, like when Luke, and Luke's telling the story, like Luke has like these sad poor guys. When Kylo Ren tells the story, he's like this crazy ass face, like this <laughs> murdering. Oh yeah, like like yeah, his <laughs> eyes like go face. nuts, yeah. and yeah. So and it, and it ends up being somewhere in the middle, and I think that that maybe is a like that's kind of Luke's role in the whole movie is to tell her that it's like it should be somewhere more in the middle. I a lot of Luke stuff pissed me off in this uh, in this episode here, and the I don't know, Josh, what you had picked out wasn't exactly my least favorite part. Okay, well, I will say this: despite me disagreeing with like a lot of the decisions they made, when Luke was on the screen, it was badass like all the time. Like that part where he yes. pole vaulted across like the cliffs, the churning waters underneath was so cool. And like, it just set him to do like bigger and greater stuff, and I th- really thought and still think he should have been the main character of this trilogy. And you know, maybe that's split into thirds between like him, Kylo, and Ray. But I, I one hundred percent agree. I am very, very, very disappointed they killed him off already. Pappy, what do you think? I didn't think it was so badass when he was milking green milk out of the beach sneech <laughs> creature from his like teat uh that was a little bit weird but i did think the, the fish part was cool i mean i like i said i was just under, like disappointed that it was kind of an undercutting of luke's whole character arc in the first three movies that he was almost willing to kill his nephew and, and that literally every death that that's come in this uh new trilogy is basically the fault of luke but uh, he does serve as the sort of curmudgeon borderline kind of crazy character. Uh, maybe perhaps or even a little bit senile that Yoda plays in um, uh, Empire. You must unlearn what you have learned. Uh, so you get, you get a little bit of a callback there, but Luke does sort of teach Rey three lessons Um I'm trying to remember what those three were. They're in our show notes here. I know one was that the light side doesn't need Jedi. <laughs> was that the first one? Uh, Dude, the lessons weren't that great. I mean, clearly we don't remember them. There's like, nothing yeah. as like, iconic as do or do not. There is no try. I was just going to say that, that yeah. same exact thing. Like, yeah. All right, I'll give it a try. No. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. I thought that's what they're setting it up to be. And would you guys have been fine with this whole movie being Ray and Luke on the island training, and she like leaves at the end? This is all wrapped up in one act of the movie. Well, and I think something that maybe we'll talk about in the second act too is I think this movie suffers from a little bit of the uh, Phantom Menace syndrome, where you have three plus storylines being told within one movie and that the the film is going to intercut between those two especially at the most climactic moment like and when we're when we're on the island it's kind of like a relief for my brain it's like okay finally we're back but when we're hanging out with finn and rose which 
I guess maybe are we, are we good to transition to there too? Finn and Rose. Um, that whole plot line is very frustrating. Um, so Finn wakes up, and there is sort of a <coughs> excuse me a moment where he's got <laughs> <laughs> Finn. Finn is the consummate joke man. Like Finn never has a straight scene in the whole new trilogy at all. Um, he wakes up, stumbles out of the tank, is leaking everywhere, and then Poe finds him. Um, Jordan, did you get some sparks off Poe and Finn in this movie? Or were those not as hot? So, I remember talking about this when we did our pod on uh, The Force Awakens, and Josh kind of brought up their potential romance. And I was actively looking for sparks, and didn't see any sparks that might light a fire that might light a romance. <laughs> Poe's just a workaholic, man. He ain't got time for none of that. <laughs> I agree. They tone that down quite a bit. And in fact, I think really the only thing that happens to Finn as far as his character arc in this movie in this movie is that he kind of is more fixated on Rose now as a love interest than Ray and Poe. Perhaps. I mean, I thought well, that's sort of in the third act that kiss happens, but I don't know if that was like reciprocated by Finn like the whole alright let's just get into it now the whole Finn uh, Rose subplot it starts off with Finn taking the tracking device that's supposed to lead Ray back to the resistance um, and he's gonna like just desert ship like he's ready to leave um, and abandon the whole company to, to, to try to find Ray to be to fair try, to try and find Ray but uh huh um so Rose has had, I, I thought what well, well, was going to be her lover, but turned out to be her sister, uh, has half of her yin-yang symbol, and she died, and she's all offended by this. Um, and there's more jokes. Um, I guess the motivation of Finn throughout this movie, did it make sense to you guys? Like, he's just on such a side quest. It's like they try to give him something to do that doesn't really add to the story or his character development. I don't know. And this is why Luke Skywalker should have been in this movie more. (laughs) I mean, Poe and Finn should be tertiary characters that are maybe on a side mission together, all of them, but they all have like their own. And so there's just like no room, you know? And like this thing with Finn, like I, I thought it was pretty interesting when he was actually fighting against his former stormtrooper fellows but the rest of it with the casino and like the racetrack that was really just like filler and did smack of phantom menace pappy i gotta say i was pretty excited for the finn and ray like romance thing i don't know josh was excited for the poe and finn <laughs> romance um but then but then to see kind of finn paired with another uh, non-white actress as like another like different romance kind of like threw me off. I was like, well, like he's trying to find Ray the whole time. Like I thought that that was like kind of his plan, but. And Pappy mentioned the kiss where she like yeah. kissed him and surprised him and it wasn't necessarily reciprocated, but I thought the more telling scene was later when he's like yes. tucking her in with a blanket and Ray is like watching him and he's like all protective over the top of her. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe some days someday 
the Star Wars franchise will have the balls to show actually a black person and a white person kissing. But until that time, there is one exactly. quick scene that I do want to talk about before we transition to Act 2 and really break down that pretty shitty sequence that is the casino scene. Is that the... Uh, uh, main... Sorry, Pat. Can I cut yeah, in real please quick? Please do. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think we... I kind of criticized the evac scene in the in the very start of this pod but some of the moves that poe pulls in there are pretty sweet and especially the one where he like throws the brakes and gets behind those tie fighters and like guns them down that was really really fucking cool and that was like not one of my favorite parts of the movie but just like i love the fact that poe is like a sweet ass pilot and can just like do whatever he wants. I love that too, like, Jordan. Remember in the first movie, remember when he's I'm like shooting enemy. the stormtroopers one by one? Yes. And I agree. Cool. This movie opened with a killer to space battle. It was okay, actually but, but, really but cool. to that point though, it's, it's kind of amazing that Poe is, is disrespected by resistance leadership throughout this movie because he's literally worth like 10 pilots, maybe 20 yes. based on what we've seen from this movie. Like, the fact that he makes one mistake and then, and then maybe, maybe jumping ahead a little bit, that Leia demotes him, um, it seemed more of a joking thing. But the fact that, that he's not allowed to make any decisions anymore is just ridiculous, especially when there's like 50 people left. And he's literally a superhero. Speaking of Leia, what I do want to talk to you about is she apparently has some super force powers. Um <laughs> Josh, do you want to kind of describe what what we see from from Leia here and the way that Ryan Johnson prevents her from acting throughout the the heart of this movie? (laughs) Yeah, so for Act 2, Leia is unconscious, much much like uh, Will from Stranger Things, who's also a poor actor, just needs to to be in a coma for the whole season. (laughs) So you gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) Anyway... I actually really like this scene. I think it will be one of the most memorable in hindsight for me because you're so expecting Leia to die. Her and the rest of the crew get sucked into space and they're doing a close up on her face and it's like this homage to Carrie Fisher. And This was the last movie she made before she passed away. To Carrie Fisher. She's going out classily just like, you know, because she died in real life and they're like sending her out. But then she like opens her eyes, puts her hand out, and then like in a really stiff like Photoshop movement, just like <laughs> skitters terrible. back. She like skitters <laughs> back so to the weird. ship. But what was, what was actually cool that I really liked their choice was when uh, a bunch of people on the rebel ship were like pressing their noses up to the window, like watching her. And it's like the princess like flying through space i don't know pretty epic but <laughs> i disagree fl- i really hated that part um <laughs> i just felt like there, there's some sort of like weird uncanny valley thing going on where like it looks like a cgi carrie fisher flying through cgi space to a cgi ship like that part really took me out of it and then in retrospect too like knowing what we know now that uh her character doesn't really have anything to do with the outcome of this film like why not kill her off there? Like it wasn't, I agree. it wasn't epic enough for me to justify like the silliness of it. It really did just look kind of goofy to me. And like, it's just like such a, like I see that and I just think Superman, it immediately takes me out of the film. Like whether it was an intentional homage to Superman or not, it just, I find it distracting in a star Wars film. Jordan, what'd you think about that whole scene? 
Uh, I think if Stevie was here, he would say it was Turibu. Horrible. Horrible. I agree with you, Pappy. It was just, it all looks so fake, like so CGI'd and like, yeah, I, I, it would have been the perfect moment to just let her go. Um, especially with kind of what leads up to it and, uh, Kylo Ren decides not to fire on the cat, like the cabin bridge area, but then his fighters around him do fire on it. And so it kind of was a moment of hesitation by him and could have led to his mom dying. And then also like a big loss for uh, the rebellion, which also plays into the conspiracy theory that I have. He's not actually actively killing his parents since I think, you know, Han Solo activated his own blade. Well, I think you're wrong about that. Uh, Most people do. Please continue. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) I mean, I think it would have been a good moment to let Carrie Fisher's character go in like very, very distracting. My my thought process, yeah, my, my thought process throughout the whole sequence was like, okay, this is the way that Carrie Fisher dies. And then, like, they exactly. show her frozen body, like, in space. I'm like, well, that's kind of tasteless. And all of a sudden, like, she, like, starts to pour herself. Like, God damn it. She's still alive. But, like, <laughs> to me. But like, the unexpected aspect of that kind of adds something to it, right? I mean, isn't that what you go into a movie hoping to be surprised in some way? But I think knowing. Not like that. Not like this. But knowing what we know about the behind <laughs> the scenes of. The Force Awakens is that she was supposed to be such a more major character. They literally just like put her on the bench throughout the heart of this movie. They say, "Okay, we're gonna put her in a coma so she doesn't have to act," and then they give someone else her lines as the leader of the the Resistance. Like it's just silly. But but we do have another call in. Let's yes. see what a uh, Negasonic had to think about Superman Leia. Negasonic, like should that have been like the death scene of Leia? But I guess it's only fair, but with Carrie Fisher passing away, I don't know what they're going to do with Leia, honestly. Anyway, yeah. Honestly. Honestly. Well, that's uh, that's my review of The Last Jedi. It's a very good movie. It's a bit, it's a bit messed up in a few places, but otherwise, I'd say it's a very good movie. And I'll see you guys next time. Don't worry. I'll be having another video talking about Star Wars eventually. Negasonic out. Well, thank Christ. I was very worried that we would never get another Star Wars review from Negasonic, but... <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, There'll be Pat. plenty of movies from Disney coming out to review. Don't worry. I, it it does... It's just so strange. Like, it's such a strange choice to have such a direct homage to Superman. But the one last thing I want to touch on this first act was that the whole motivation of Finn and Rose to go on this quest is there's some unknown tracking device on La Resistance uh, main (laughs) ship and apparently instead of trying to isolate you know what is that point of tracking it's easier to figure out that oh if they're tracking us through hyperspace there must be some principal tracking location am I describing that correctly like what's 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 their character's motivation I don't understand from my understanding, they said that like the lead ship, so like there's one ship in there in the uh, first order crew that has like a tracking 
signal or like it's some kind of string like attached to the resistance ships. So like as long as that which is kept on Snoke's knows, ship, there's doubling down on everything. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. And which is weird because like when they when they mention that like they have the resistance like on a string, the next thing that they show is uh, Finn like waking up, and I definitely thought that they were going to have some sort of like tracker in him and they're like using Ooh. him to track the resistance, which I thought could have been super cool, but it ends up being just that, Oh, one ship is kind of tracking their other ships. And <laughs> if we can, if we can disable that one ship, then we can get away. Okay. So. Well, while I agree, this is a little thin, I'm really willing to give him a pass here because every star Wars movie has kind of like a technical, thing happening instead of just like stealing directly from another movie like a force awakens did with the death star i thought that this little thing where they're like you know typically the rebels always escape they jump into hyperspace no one can trace them through some wrinkle in technology now they can i was willing to make that leap i guess but like the whole point of or the whole like thing this plot point is trying to solve is that for some reason the resistance and the first order need to be entwined in some sort of space battle that has them basically kind of like an impasse for some extended period of time while our main characters do the thing and the way they chose to do that is like in the most boring (laughs) way possible like the resistance is going like 15 miles an hour in their white Bronco <laughs> and the cops are chasing them at 10 miles an hour like blobbing these shots and it's like it's such a like I, I, I'm not smart enough to say like what would have been cooler but like there's some sort of like space conflict that needs to come at an impasse and like having a slow OJ chase is not what I would have <laughs> would have been my first choice though but sorry, sorry. I'm googling how long was the o- OJ chase because I think <laughs> that chase and this movie were about the same length. <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't be surprised. Why you Google that? Let's toss it to uh, Katie and Boston John, two fans of the pod, friends of the pod, friends. Have, all right, friends, not fans. Who have called in? Katie Maddie. Katie Maddie. Hey, what's up, spoilers? This is Katie Maddie from Ypsilanti, Michigan. I was calling about The Last Jedi. I love the movie. I think I would give it an eight and a half out of nine. Eight and a half out of nine? (laughs) Out of nine? (laughs) Before seeing the movie, I predicted Kylo would turn to the light side. So for a second, I thought he was going to, but now he's the supreme leader of the First Order. So it's going to be pretty exciting for the next film. And even Leia at the end was like, well, he can't be helped anymore. So I don't think he's going to turn to the light side in the next film. My least favorite part was Luke's death. I get they were trying to smear how Obi-Wan and Yoda died. Mm, But Luke just got on board with using the Force again. And I was hoping he'd play a bigger role in the third film. He'll be back in some form, though, even if he's just floating around like a ghost for 30 seconds to give Rey advice. So, yep. all right, guys, may the force be with you, and I'll catch you next time. Well, may the force and be also with, with you. you. Yeah, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish that Katie was my high school geometry teacher, because then I would have been grading on a nine-point scale than a ten-point scale. And <laughs> oh, would have taken come me on. Three be tries, nice. So. It was a slip of the tongue. 
All right, Boston John. Wait, no, really quick before Boston John, I will say the O.J. Simpson car chase was just a little more than two hours, (laughs) just like this movie. (laughs) 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 All right, let's toss to Boston John. Shipping out to Boston. This is Boston John Colony talking about The Force of... Sorry, The Force Awakens was a good movie. Talking about The Last Jedi here. Uh, yeah, there, was, there was a lot of good things and about it, but uh, I was a little disappointed with how funny Disney tried to make it, and that that just really grinded my gears the wrong way. Uh, I did like when we got to see the little man Yoda come back, but unfortunately, yeah, you know, I, I just I was just pissed <laughs> off that there was not nearly as much lightsaber battles as I hope. So let's hope you know the next one's even better than that one. Have a good one, spoilers. Nice to talk to you. Spoilers. <laughs> hey, you too, Boston John. I really appreciate that. Your credit card's been declined. <laughs> <laughs> Little man. All right. So uh, I guess one of the things that we didn't touch on in the first act, but I want to do segue to is that um, Kylo Ren and Ray show that they have a sort of like second connection uh, while Luke is training her. And it ends up sort of being like kind of a one-way mirror into each other's lives. Uh, one of the scenes that I really hated is like during the initial touch points is like Kylo Ren looks around his surroundings and says to Ray, "Can you can you see my surroundings? Like, <laughs> like how on earth would he? <laughs> why would he even like suppose that?" But that, no, I love that part, Pat. Really, I fucking hated it. Why did you love? Because that? I was, ca- I would be. Th- thinking the same thing and I thought but how would he know that like for the audience you're seeing shot reverse shot of them in their surroundings and all of a sudden Kylo Ren deciphers like hey are you looking at me or that droid over there how would he how would he know no well what I'm talking about just generally is I felt like this was like a classic teenage awkwardness romance and like this is online dating at its finest, and that is a weird, weird comparison, man. Uh, yeah, I disagree. No. But uh, okay, so man, I I thought these scenes were pretty entertaining, and first of all, Adam Driver is very focused on on these scenes. Mishawaka native, and he's a Hey-o. good guy. He's a good guy. Am I right? He's a good guy. I have no way of knowing that. <laughs> okay, so like Pap, are you are you pissed that it's like a new force ability or are you no, 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 that, no, like, no 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 because they jump into this and he's obviously like curious about what's going on and he doesn't really get it so I, he's I think, asking her like really vulnerable questions I feel like it makes sense well I think a lot like this movie there are moments of this exchange that I think are really strong like for example when they're both reaching out and like touching hands but like what sticks out to me and like like what I'll remember for better or worse, like the most is like, like he mentioned sort of the awkward millennial interaction humor that comes with it. Like Josh Whedon style writing, like, will you put a shirt on like that? Like the fact that we're watching a star Wars movie in the line, like, will you put a shirt on? was supposed to be funny. I don't know. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, Steve, the intern whose uh, voicemail we'll get to later through text messaging. (laughs) He said that, 
the Star Wars stuck out to him because it was the most nipples he had ever seen in a Star Wars. Wow. <laughs> That's probably true between the milk animals and the... <laughs> I, I feel like <laughs> the like the whole like bridge between them as like the force bridging them was kind of gimmicky but I did find myself like gripped every time that they were like talking to each other like that was a, one of the times that I was the most like into the movie I guess and so it definitely did a lot to like drive the story and I think also kind of develop those characters I guess um, do you think though that those those conversations revealed that Kylo is really clearly the main focus of this trilogy and Rey's kind of just like the device to eventually turn him. He's clearly the standout in all of those scenes and anytime they're talking like am I alone in that? I don't know. I don't think he's the like the end all be all of this story though. I think that he I think that Kylo Ren and Rey are kind of the yin and yang of the whole thing like they're both super strong and i don't know necessarily that he's going to be the one to win out i like he's he's a bit more polished at this point but i i don't know that i don't know Pappy. like do you think that he's the main dude it it feels like because they left his mother alive that there would have been some sort of planning down the road or not, not even planning like something some seeds laid down the road like where that could have been explored like I think there's these these first like three this trilogy is about the whole Skywalker family. It ends up being like through Leia's line, but I I, I think that he is the main focus. But Ray's path through like her path sort of mirrors what Luke went through in um, Empire, like with the the house that Yoda had and the falling in the pit. And like yes. all of that sort of thing. So like it's weird because she's sort of playing the Luke role, but like this is something I said to Stevie too. It feels like Ryan Johnson wanted to Heck. take everything that was set up in, in The Force Awakens and subvert it. Like, I don't know. Did you guys get that a little bit? That he, he wasn't a fan of what had been teased and set up in that original Pat, we, movie? We talked about this before the pod started, but I still have lingering hatred for J.J. Abrams because of this TV series Lost. I think the <laughs> writing for that was a complete hack job, and I think he did that in hindsight with Force Awakens. Like he asks all these questions, big, huge questions, and like instead of answering them, like for example, who is Snoke? What is he about? Ryan Johnson Ugh. just cuts him in half. And I don't even mind God damn it. I don't even mind that scene, but like the whole thing that this is a mystery and then you're just like shitting on fans for wondering what the mystery is. I, I don't understand the motivation and I think it's just bad writing. So yeah, let's jump into it right now. Clearly, Jordan, you were upset by the way Snoke was dismembered, but there is I think I think it's one of the most visually striking scenes is that scene in Snoke's throne room with a red in the background and the red sort of throne room samurai quasi stormtrooper guys yeah jordan what what bothered you about the way that snoke was dispelled or his storyline so so before i start on that i want to start on one other thing that i picked up on which i don't know if everyone had noticed but ryan johnson kind of 
dispelling the Force Awakens, like all of that. The first scene, there's a lens fucking flare in that scene, which I noticed Dude, on my I second watch yep. today. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I was super pissed off about the Snoke scene because I think there was a lot of potential with the Snoke character, especially with like if you have Luke and Ray, and then you also have Snoke and Kylo Ren on the other side. I think that there's a lot of like there's a lot of stuff you can do with those pairs, and to just have Snoke killed and cut in half without even seeing him like battle at all. Like he he just sits in his throne and he talks for a while. And his tight, silky gold threads. It's hey so now. annoying. Hey it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hey now, Pat. I feel like there was a lot of hype to see like who Snoke was and like w- how powerful he actually was. Was he Dark Darth Plagueis or whatever? And basically, all thrown out the window. Now we're just gonna sh- like cut him in half and whatever i the battle after that is sick and i love it it's probably my favorite scene in the movie but man to just have like the the big bad cut out well okay basically like on a whim like ah i really 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 hated that well a couple things i think you touched on there one of them is that the scene after that when ray and kylo do team up i i think that is very visually striking but again it comes back to the phantom menace syndrome where that scene is cut up over the course of like 10 or 15 minutes and interchanged with like things that are happening yeah, back with a lot of resistance, things that are happening with, you know, Carrie <laughs> Fisher, things that are happening with John Boyega. Like it's not like, a, it's not a like coherent scene. It's not like a, they show up in the throne room, they get out of the throne room. It, it's, it's very much interspliced and that takes place over 20 minutes, but it's also going to be one of those things where it's like colliders got a realistic things that make the last Jedi great. You know, it's gonna be like Ray and Ray and Kylo <laughs> teaming up is awesome. Like it's just, it's such like a, like a fan service. It does yeah. look cool, but it's not executed well. Josh, I, are you with? What do you think? I am with you one hundred percent. I think I want to take it a step further from just like it. It's not that it is visually striking, but that it makes really no sense. Like, who are these guards? And after seeing... The Knights of Ren. Are they the Knights of Ren? I think so. So these are... They have, they have Luke's, similar weapons. Are these Luke's former students? Are they friends of Kylo? Like, I, if that's true, that's even worse. And like, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I don't know what weapons they have. All I know is that they're trying to make a cool fight. And it looks more like a dancer team from the first like prequel trilogy than like that mm. raw stuff that we saw from J.J. Abrams in Force Awakens. Like, I, I like the part where she like throws the lightsaber to him and he like... He turns it on yeah, behind his head. and it goes yeah. in his skull. Like, that felt really raw. The- I clapped. But I guess that's... So the criticism of The Force Awakens was it was too predictable. It was too reminiscent of the original trilogy. It feels like when they were making their choices, especially with Snoke, Kylo, and Rey, and Luke, they were just trying to subvert, like, the most subversive possible. Like, they were definitely swinging for the fences, but, like, some decisions just don't work. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, I want it to be familiar, but, like, you tried, not everything paid off. 
and and one of those would be I think the inclusion of Yoda jumping back a little bit but I kind of want to just wrap up everything with with Luke Ray and Kylo up until that final scene um, fair. what did you guys think about the the ghost inclusion of Yoda I, I thought he looked terrible I, I know that it was a puppet and people were, were pumped that it was like a puppet <coughs> a digital puppet <laughs> but that just like took me out of the movie more I felt like um, what what is a digital puppet? I don't know. It, it was some sort of CGI <laughs> filming of a actual Muppet. Josh, I have a little bit of a meta reference here because do you even know what that means? We had a huge fight in spoilers about spoilers <laughs> of this movie, and somebody at one point said something like Yoda is Snoke for real. And that was me. I said that. And when the Jedi Temple blows up, and then they cut to Yoda like just cracking up back there, I had this Dancing moment around. where I was like, "Wait a second, is God he about it, to like <laughs> snoking it up?" Well, yeah, well like so. Yoda's character in the original trilogy, I think, is very different than what was portrayed in the prequels. Where, like, like I said, like his the initial scene with Luke and Yoda in Empire is. Yoda is like a goofy, sneaky, like smarter than he shows. Stealing granola bars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, he's trying to be what like uh, Mark Hamill is trying to be in this movie. And then like they kind of like revisit that where Yoda burns down the treehouse that is now somehow on this island. And he does like the same little like tree weird house. dance, but like. I feel like it's been too long since we've seen that senile Yoda. Like I didn't <laughs> didn't work for me to see me. <laughs> Page turners, they are not. This honestly, it worked a little bit. Like this is a scene that is just going to play to all the Yoda fans out there. Like, how can we get Yoda a great marketing tool into this movie? But despite that, I enjoyed the scene. I got to admit, Jordan. Yeah, I also enjoyed it. Um, I I thought that Luke at the time needed like a little nudge, and I I w- I didn't hate that it was like the Yoda Force Ghost um, that came and kind of gave it to him. All right, so th- we'll we'll leave Ray and Kylo and Luke for the third act that takes place on Salt Planet. But what we do need to discuss now is the. Finn and Rose sub side quest. And like this is like Jordan, you made the noise. This is everyone's least favorite part of the movie. It's no one is coming back from this movie saying that they like this. Uh they're on a casino planet, they're trying to find a guy. Jordan, you want to describe what they're trying to do a little bit? They're trying to find the code breaker. He's got the flowers. Yeah, they <laughs> Yeah. The chrysanthemum. They... They go down to find the code breaker with the chrysanthemum pin on his lapel. Are you the key master? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they end up parking in the wrong parking spot. And so as they're trying to find the code breaker, they get fucking blasted by security. (laughs) And while they're in jail, they find a different code breaker who is Benicio Del Toro. I'll give you keys, you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> Babby, is this a little on the nose of a couple of minorities fighting against the white machine? 
Is that I, really all this side plot is? Yes. If Star Wars wanted to go diverse, and I think they should go diverse, just make them main characters. They don't have to be given a side quest. Yes. That that aspect doesn't bother me at all. It's It's more of the fact that they're introducing that the whole reason conflict exists in the universe is because of weapon stealers like that just seems like a very huh well they're saying that like benicio reveals that that the ship he stole was like sold parts to the empire and sold parts to the la resistance and that that they're (laughs) that weapons dealers are essentially like who are occupying this like casino planet are like part of the main problem i don't I don't see like a overt race aspect being played out here. Like I I just don't think that the whole fact that like it seems like it's getting a little bit political, I guess, which I'm no weapons dealer fan, but it seems like a weird touch to have, <laughs> but I don't know. I didn't feel like it was overly I guess like in your face as I said a minute ago well but it's also touching on like animal rights issues like it feels like they took like the Finn the Finn and Rose plot and it's like okay here's where we have to like interject the politics like we have to like be anti-weapons dealers and be pro animal life and be pro like you know little guy like I just feel like that whole side plot was strange um there's a lot of political wieners being thrown a lot in the show notes now but (laughs) I do want to touch on one shot from uh, that casino scene because I think I was the first per- I literally think I was the first person to say this and it will get stolen but the shot in the casino where they're going through all like the middle of the casino tables is like directly from Wings which is the first movie to win an Oscar and it's like the most iconic shot from that movie but it's a one for one I'm going to put that on Instagram thank app. you good, lo- good yeah. looking out but I guess anything else from this casino plotline, the Benicio plotline, let's take it all the way up to where they get back on the First Order ship. Anything from Finn and Rose's and Benicio's plotline you guys want to talk about? Yeah, they shouldn't exist. Yes. (laughs) The only thing of note is that uh, uh, Rose gives her La Resistance uh, ring to one of the kids and that shows up like later on insignificantly but later on but even taking that time to like yeah they give it to the kid and then they like there's a whole it's so forgettable like Rose and Finn ride one of those animals like no one will remember that ever and then like they release that animal like into its herd like it's so silly and stupid like there's some symbology there about how you got to care more about your friend than the end cause. And that's what the rebellion is all about. I hate that symbology, Josh. The whole Del Toro like storyline and like the ship with the rebels, it kind of leads to this like mutiny or demotion or something. Well, it's really weird. Like, Carrie Fisher demotes Poe Dameron, who's killed on screen at least 500 First Order pilots. I mean, he's a huge <laughs> asset, and she, like, demotes him in front of everyone, and that ends up being her last, like, 
her last active order before she gets slinged out into space and then somehow Superman saves herself. Yeah, so it's almost like she was demoting him because she knows like how like awesome he is and she's demoting him as just like like a personal a learning opportunity like a learning opportunity when there's yeah. 50 people left in the whole f- movement to save the universe <laughs> i guess so That's and then so there's this ridiculous. new like she comes in it's the it's the lady from Jurassic Park um that kind of oh, looks like that's Helen she's from. she kind of looks Damn. like Helen Hunt but yeah, she you're right yeah she like from blue velvet you don't. She seems like a Professor Umbridge. If I want to use like a Harry, Perf, Harry Laura Potter Dern. reference, yeah. She Ooh. comes in and she doesn't know that like maybe Poe is that awesome and just like tells him to go stand by. But that makes like Poe's whole character is very like castrated in this movie. Like he <laughs> apparently makes a mistake that kills like fifty, like five of their last fifty people. Who are all of the bombers? Like, I, and he's like punished for it from Laura Dern. Like, even Poe's like, who is this person? Like, I, her whole character's like rubbing the wrong way. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it seems like he was, he thought he was in line for that position, I guess, which is totally like, I don't know. It's just very strange to me. This was not a stronger point of the movie. No, I, I don't really want to nitpick, nit, nitpick that specific part, but it seemed like he was pretty thirsty for that power there and didn't get it. And I don't know if that's why he lashes out. Well, like again, so if Poe is supposed to be analogous to Han Solo, like Han Solo is never set back in this way, like made like, you know, like, less cool in this way like poe dameron is like the coolest part of the force awakens and like in this whole movie they they just like make him look like kind of like a like like you said like a trigger happy fly boy fly boy like you know (laughs) not thinking his decisions through like he he should be cool like we need a cool character in star wars and given the fact like i said like there's 10 people left in the resistance like how do they not know each other (laughs) and how is poe who has killed that like hundreds of people on screen so disrespected it's ridiculous <laughs> too trigger happy but josh are you ready to talk to your brother-in-law now or can you wait? <laughs> my brother-in-law steven van elk a great indiana man here he is Hey, this is Stephen Van Elk from The Wedding Photo Hangover, though you guys probably know me better as Steve the Intern. Stephen the Intern. I'm calling in today to talk about The Last Jedi from Noblesville, Indiana. First off, I want to say that The Last Jedi is a definite yes from me. My favorite part of the entire movie would have to be the moment where Luke goes and milks one of those crazy beasts (laughs) right on the ocean and then drinks some of that milk gets it right in his beard milk was a bad choice and then you see the shot of ray looking at him while he does this and the beast looks at ray like it is being pleasured so hard and it wants ray to watch and ray (laughs) gets so uncomfortable she looks away that was my favorite part i'm glad that he verbalized that because i agree 
My next favorite part was when Ray handed Luke the lightsaber and he just took it and threw it over his shoulder in what might be the most Wes Anderson-y Star Wars moment we'll ever get in the entirety of our lives. I don't think we've ever seen a Star Wars this twee with this kind of humor before. Twee? The only thing we were missing was like a few pans and some kink songs, which would have been fantastic. Um, but that's just me. The Red Room scene is maybe the best scene ever when Ryan Johnson just burns everything you thought you knew about Star Wars down to the ground. He basically says, oh, you thought we were going to do like a whole The Empire Strikes Back thing here, but no, we're not. I'm taking this whole thing into a new direction. And that was so refreshing and I loved it. So this movie is a definite yes for me. Just, you know, because it's the most nipples we've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. (laughs) Two Mishawaka nipples from Adam Driver which I think all of the people on this podcast as uh, Hoosiers can appreciate. And then uh, 12 nipples from the weird beast <laughs> next to the sea. Mm. But also you can forget the giant bug beetle thing that for some reason had like six or eight boobs as well. That when the cats were running through the casino decided to sing like the fat lady at an opera. Such, such a weird moment. <laughs> oh, don't forget that at the very end we see a small boy Jedi and all we can think is in the next movie will he be saying wizard and one last thing just to uh, what? nerd out here and be really weird um, did anybody else notice that when Finn was about to get onto the escape pod right before Rose catches him that they switched to a lens that made Finn look kind of uh, short and portly I know that you guys love when I talk about like weird technical stuff that I notice in movies, like the blurriness in Sea Biscuit. Well, Steve, I appreciate the call in. I appreciate you editing your call in before you submitted it to us. That was very nice of you. Uh, Josh, any takeaways from that call in? Yeah, it was such a smooth toss to Steve. That I'm really <laughs> glad it was a pretty succinct voicemail. <laughs> Uh, no, but that was really funny, Steve. Thanks for calling in. I laughed a lot during that. That's like the fourth time I've listened to it. So, well, I guess that brings us to the third act on Hoth, aka Crate. Uh, let's see what we got for the notes here. So, it's not snow; it's salt, bro. Salt. Why does that make it red, though? I'm still very well, confused yeah, why, about that. Why does he drag his foot and it's red? It's all red, dog. Just because it's salt doesn't mean it's a red. An infinite universe, dude. There's gonna be a salt planet with red underneath the layer. Okay, okay, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. So we've seen the mutiny scene uh, (laughs) from the first order. We had the most strike, one of the most striking visuals from the whole movie when everything goes quiet and the hyperspace blow up kamikaze nine eleven ship thing happens. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, so the whole battle comes down to here on crate. Um, I guess first of all, spoiler. What did you guys think of Luke becoming a projection? Josh, did that bother you at all? Yeah. <laughs> Why did yeah. it bother you? Um, one thing I thought was cool from it. So I'll, I'll do like a positive, then a negative. Was I think they dropped some clues and like some breadcrumbs, like. He was using the blue sword, which you had seen break earlier in the film. And, like, his feet weren't dragging that red mm. stuff we just mentioned because he's Ooh. a hologram. So, why okay. would they? But, yeah, but then it also cheats because he hands, like, Leia the fuzzy dice from the Millennium Falcon. 
Luke is handing Leia a physical proof of evidence and then embracing her and and like that physical evidence was you know not noticed but like he doesn't actually leave a red trail like I appreciate the attention to detail but I don't know I'm about to be apologist for it Pep no please like, no it's go ahead okay so he goes all out and makes this attempt to like astrally project himself there and one of the tricky poles is bringing physical dice and the other is actually being able to like dual fisticuffs with someone lightsaber to lightsaber. I think that equally doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, but like like I said, like the physical embrace of Leia where they're hugging and then like him handing her like this physical object I, I don't know. It feels like that's th- it's cheating in a lot of ways. Like, oh, you can go back and say, oh, it's movie details. He didn't leave a red trail. But, like, I feel like Leia, who is clearly Force-sensitive, should realize if her one of the most Force-powerful people is on the planet or isn't on the planet. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because she feels him die, too. Exactly, yeah. Like, so, so she's not, like, yes. she, like she's, yes, like, oblivious yes. to the fact that he's on the planet but like she can feel when he dies like that that's silly that's stupid i wonder if you rewatched it which you did pappy is there any sort of unseen like she knows that he's sacrificing himself in this moment and it's part of their like twin powers that he's able to project himself there is that a stretch? I've not read I, that I think it is because she says, I'm glad you came when it was all over. And so like in some weird like turn of her character, she's abandoned all hope and like, oh, this is like the end. And she, she thinks that Luke is coming to die with the resistance, which is what I think that line means. I, I didn't get any sort of indication that she had, you know, picked up on that. It wasn't really Luke through the force. Jordan, did you did you like this last scene, or what do you think about it? No, I I found it kind of annoying that Leia also didn't realize that he was just a projection. I also was very bothered by the like Matrix style, like dodging scene. Yeah, like the the lightsaber dodge that's there. I thought the the rest of the fight was kind of okay like he's kind of hopping around a little bit and he's pretty spry like yoda in one of the prequels and i thought that that was okay but the 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 matrixy style shot is pretty on the nose um but yeah i thought that with as much physical contact and like he like winks at uh c3po i think on his way out as well that there should have been some more indication or like someone should have known that he's he's not actually here um and and maybe that's just an indication of his mastery of the force maybe but i don't know if that's a concession that i'm willing to make for like such a crucial period of this movie well even like in the shot before that he does all that like matrix scene uh there's one point where kylo ren's on the new angry red-eyed looking AT-ATs uh, where he's like 
shoot him! And they shoot him with all the guns that they have. And he does like this. <laughs> he comes out of that and it's like an usher. Wipe that dirt off your shoulders. Like he doesn't like wipe it oh, off yeah, like, with does. his palm. Like he does like a clear like brushing the dirt off your shoulders, which I thought was very distracting. Josh, did you, did that moment of Luke's triumph work for you or was that weird? Well, Josh, Josh probably wouldn't understand the reference because he's too old. Um, that is true. But it really doesn't work in this context. It's uh, more of like a late 2000s reference and I'm not sure if Josh understands. Usher is a late 2000s reference? That's false. (laughs) I enjoy the scene as a whole, just like Luke emerging from the ashes. And at that point, you don't know that he's a hologram. So you're assuming he's just like in some sort of force protection or like blocking all these like super hyper quickly. Like, yeah, it was on the nose when he brushed the dirt off his shoulders like Jay-Z, but like, come on. It's pretty cool scene. I guess, yeah. I mean, it didn't bother me as much as like when you're watching that scene. And one of the things we skipped over at the, at the beginning of that sequence is that um, the resistance has hid themselves behind this like giant garage door of a salt mine. <laughs> and they bring in this battering ram cannon. Um, and so they have these like weird ships that have some sort of weird thing that's dragging on the ground and kicking up the red with them. But Finn is about to go kamikaze and drive himself into the battering cannon and save everybody. But Rose, I guess intercepts him and like crashes her ship into his ship to prevent him from saving the day. It's, it's one of the most strange moments in character development from a Star Wars movie. I, I really hate that moment. It seems really irresponsible and dumb from both of their characters' perspectives, but Jordan, what, what did you think about Rose quote-unquote saving Finn there? I, I don't really like Rose overall, but I, <laughs> I, I think that her like her message to to Finn in the end is pretty cool like the fact that like don't don't fight what you hate but save what you love is I don't know like I, I like that message um, but that I, but that runs yeah, like I, counterintuitive I it's, to it's, the whole Poe lesson where Hodor kills herself to save the day yeah, she literally no, I, does the opposite thing of that lesson that's learned. Like those two th- like points, like conflict. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I, I don't think that they are necessarily like exclusive to each other. And even if Finn would have ran into the cannon, it probably wouldn't have been like he would have been saving what he loved at the same time. Yeah, I, I don't know that the logic is sound, but. Hey, it saves a main character, and he gets to learn a lesson. So okay, what's really annoying about that though is it's the <laughs> second time in the movie that they've gone on some like CGI crazy voyage thing together. Like first, it's writing those crazy CGI. Somebody wrote it down in the show notes. What are those things called? Fathers, fathiers, oak jazz. <laughs> the writing on those earlier, and like. 
those CGI, that was like the most CGI part of the movie to me when they're like racing on the back of those. It's Hobbit, like barrel riding level. CGI. It's the worst. It's, it's, <laughs> it's real <bad>. fucking terrible. <laughs> Ugh. And then there's now this where she literally in a flying vehicle crashes into him to save him. Like that would work. It's pretty preposterous. But I, I really don't like, and I want to come back to this again. Like, I really don't understand. Like, what is this movie trying to say? Where Admiral Hodo is willing to kamikaze <laughs> the ship, but then like Finn's not allowed to kamikaze the ship, like because someone else wants to save him. Like, I I really can't rectify like what this movie's trying to say at all. Like from a narrative perspective, like it's so weird. I don't think the writing's that good in this movie, Pappy. Agreed. I, I think you hit it on the head earlier when you said they're just trying to put a bunch of things on their head and then in the end telling multiple conflicting messages that ultimately don't end in characters changing by the end. Except Luke Skywalker, who goes from alive to dead. Dead. He did. Is that a good summation? I mean, and Leia, who goes from alive to dead, back to alive. So the movie ends, then uh, Kylo Ren is tricked by the projection Luke. Luke does the whole um, Force Ghost ascension into the Force uh, scene. And the movie ends. He's so yeah. exhausted, man. There's basically like 20 characters of La Resistance left flying in the Millennium Falcon. And then uh, we get the this, this shot of the boy who is force sensitive, sweeping the floor that we saw earlier. Man, it, it, this movie just does not end up. Like, it doesn't end like on a good Star Wars positive note. It's kind of lame. It ends on a note that you'd think the third movie in the trilogy would end on. It's like a kid looking into the universe for hope. It's not like there's no main cliffhanger. You have no idea what's happening next. Well, and that's made so strange, too, because now it's been announced that Ryan Johnson is helming three more Star Wars movies after these three. So it's like... It seems like he's setting up for his own standalone thing there I don't know like he's got some trilogy geniusly written off to the side well and even like when that when that like that that kid is like first established it like it's a pan up like from like below the ground level like up to him where it looks like he's like super heroic and then like in the end like you have that sort of like Star Wars celebration shot where everyone's together. And like you have an extra like tacked on 30 seconds of where he's like pulling a broom with the force. Like it just felt like I was getting slapped in the face with like, oh, this kid's got some midichlorians. How about that boy? <laughs> <laughs> it really bothered me. I don't know. Jordan, what did you think about the end? No, yeah. I, I didn't even notice that he like force pulled the broom the first time. Um, but. Yeah, it, it just, it definitely felt tacked on at the end, and I don't know, I, I generally I would agree with you, like, at, towards the end I was thinking, like, is this actually the fucking end? Like, 
where where are we going in this third movie and like how is this gonna lead into an, another trilogy and I don't know exactly like is this kid gonna be like some rando or is it gonna be like are we gonna come back to him I, I I'm not sure if they're trying to like plant seeds or if they're trying to subvert things I'm I'm I don't know I just left me feeling very uneasy about the whole thing I guess the whole enterprise Josh any any thoughts on those last couple scenes yeah, just I've said before, I thought that The Force Awakens, like, I I thought Disney blew their load, and that was, like, the Star Wars movie, and now this is just, like, Ryan Johnson, like, trying to do just completely his own thing again, right off the tails of that, and the ending is so obscure, and if it is Ryan Johnson setting up his own trilogy, I feel like that's very narcissistic and there's no way he has like that written and ready to go and approved. So that's just kind of BS to me. Do we have any evidence that Ryan Johnson can carry a fucking franchise? I I don't really know his work. I've been telling Pabby this behind the scenes quite a bit. I think that whole quote contract is Disney 3d marketing chess. I think they're just doing that to instill confidence in this movie and get sales up. Like, oh, well, we, I, we saw this yeah. and it's so awesome. We're hiring him on for a whole trilogy. Like, which, which is I don't George think Lucas only directed four Star Wars films. This is going to be four Star Wars films for Ryan Johnson. Give me a break. But I like that's something that he deserves because I, I, Looper is a great movie. Looper is phenomenal. Brick is pretty good. Great. Yeah, he's a Cla- classic spoilers movie. Right, he deserves like all the accolades in the world, but like the whole, if it is, is like they were just saying it's good because it's good, and then like if they are reactionary and the fact that like sitting here on December sixteenth or seventeenth, whatever it is now, that has a fifty-three percent audience rating, like that's rough. I, I really hope they don't punish him for that. And I hope that I'll, I'll go ahead and transition this into my answer now. I hope that the takeaway from this isn't that swing for the fences and trying to be different is what Star Wars fans are angry about because I can see that being turned into the narrative. I've already seen like Collider and other YouTube channels, like turn that into the narrative. It's like, Oh, it was different. That's why fanboys are pissed. That's just like a simplification and like not intelligent criticism of a film. Like the problem is, is that the narrative gets split and two thirds of the way it gets split are like really ineffective. Like the whole Poe being set in this place scene isn't that effective, but that's forgettable or, or forgivable. What's not forgivable is the whole Finn Rose sequence. It's, it's really dumb it has no ground to stand on it. And ultimately it's ineffective. They don't do what they're trying to do. It's a little Indiana Jones syndrome. Like if, if Finn and Rose had never set off on that adventure, none of the underlying events of the saga would have changed in any way. It's just, it's just real bad. Um, I'll give it a soft yes though, because I think it like falls into mid-level Marvel movies 
mid-level superhero movies like upper end dc <laughs> movies like ouch this is what this is what star wars has become it's not one of the best movies or most important movies of the year i have it right now at like t- the 24th 25th best movie of the year a soft yes you you have a list of 25 movies i do yeah but ranked of the year <laughs> if this Shit. is what you're happy with then good good for you it's a soft yes but like <laughs> This is going to be one of the, the highest grossing films of all time. In that perspective, I think this film is a failure. But a soft yes on the scope of movies throughout the year. Uh, let's go to Jordan next. Yes or no, and any final thoughts you have? Uh, Pap, I, I'm kind of pleased that you brought up the whole like Marvel issue because that's kind of what I found myself thinking about um, after watching this is that like they're they're trying to usher a film and a franchise into kind of this new like what are people looking for we have a, like a new fan culture I guess nowadays um, rather than like what was out there in obviously like the 80s and 90s and I think that with respect to that, I'm interested to see like how this movie is reviewed in the coming like six months. Like as people are coming out and saying like, "Ah, this didn't really fit," and trying to pick it apart. I've, I'm gonna also give it a very flaccid yes. But with that being said, I've seen it twice now, and I I think the Force Awakens is probably better. Agreed. Which is a, a weird thing to say because I don't think it's a great movie, but I don't know. I just uh, going into it, the only thing that I had heard, I, I didn't get any spoilers. I didn't see any trailers going into it. I had heard that it was a different movie and that it was good, like refreshing and all this stuff. And I didn't really see that. I, I saw a lot of uh, lame Oh, we didn't even touch on the fucking Porgs. The Porgs were the worst. I love the Porgs. <laughs> fucking Porgs. They're... Oh, man. You could have taken any scene that they were in and just, like, deleted them, and the scene was just as good. They were useless. Ah, man. I'm not super psyched about it. Maybe it connects things in the story, and we'll see where uh, where Ryan Johnson takes the next trilogy, I guess. But... Um, a soft 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 yes flaccid and yeah i'm i'm still hopeful but at this point it's almost like i'm gonna go watch a star wars movie because it's a star wars movie not because the last one was good so josh what do you think i think the difference between ryan johnson and jj abrams is that ryan johnson had a lot more balls with this movie um, took a lot of risks and in doing that he pretty much decided to take every single risk he could and in doing that he killed off what should have been the whole impetus of this trilogy Luke Skywalker and for that I I am giving this movie a no cause fuck you Ryan Johnson you're not directing four Star Wars movies if you are, I'm not paying to watch those four Star Wars movies. Like, 
I love Brick, Pappy. I know that Coach tried Coach. to tell you about Coach. Brick. You guys didn't like it so much, but like this movie, I was entertained during it, and afterwards, I just like felt like a dummy. Like nothing really falls in line with the Star Wars universe. He's making up powers left and right. He's making mysteries. I don't know if he's to blame or if J.J. Abrams is to blame more, but um, at least Luke Skywalker felt really epic in the first movie, whereas in this movie he felt like a like double failure and then he goes out like a fart in the wind, just like disappearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that you got one more thing to add before we leave, Pap. I think I'm, I'm going to give this a no out of spite. I give Good. a lot of yeses with movies, but um, I'm giving it a no. All right. So that's two yeses, one no. I think it's a fair score. Uh, Jordan, do you have anything to add for this? Yeah, sorry. There was one thing I forgot to add during like my yes and no. I've And we touched on it a little bit during the, the Snoke chat, but with Snoke and with Luke... And with Captain Phasma, they killed they killed off like a lot of characters that I feel like they've built up, and like especially Snog, I feel like he was not as fleshed out. Captain as Phasma been. is so underutilized. We were saying this it's last Captain, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Why absolutely. is she? And so yeah, why? Yeah. So like honestly, the the Phasma thing led me to believe that like like a reach on like their PR team as far as like, Hey, we're going to like include as many good actors as we can in this new series and like pay attention to us. Like almost like a, I don't know, like just a, just like a reach from their PR team. Um, well, I really feel like this whole like series has been like sort of the gardening George R. R. Martin method where it's like, we'll plant all these seeds and then let every person figure out how, how to grow them. Like, and Captain Phasma just got fucking pulled up by the roots, like, ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, toss her into a fucking fire. Just like um, Snoke, just like... Yeah, and Luke, too. Like, just kill yeah. him off, kind of, because not for any real reason. I also, Ray's like, parents, you know, they're just nobody. They sold her for drink money. Which isn't that bad, in itself but just along <laughs> with all these other things that it's just like oh that's no big deal just move along move along yeah I, I just sorry I I didn't add that during my thing but that's one thing that's been really great on me for the last day and a half since I've seen it so so I mean there you have it we have two yeses one soft no or two soft yeses one soft no but what I want to do before we toss to uh, Stevie, Mikey, Spoiler Man, the start us up, and what everyone should be turned in for is Ewok Clan's review of <laughs> The Last Jedi. Uh, what, what There's been 10, I guess, uh, theatrically Star Wars movies, including like the clone or the animated one or whatever. What I want to go through is at least the nine live action real adult ones. So the three trilogies so far so two for the the newest one plus rogue one um so go nine eight seven six five four three two one just say like if you have some sort of ranking like what the worst one is we'll go see if we have any differences but 
I have at the worst Star Wars movie, The Clone Wars. The, the Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah, same thing. <laughs> Attack, yeah, of the clone. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I also have Attack of the Clones. It's by far the most boring Star Wars movie. Jordan? Uh, yeah. Second worst Phantom Menace for me. I'm right there with you. Yes, that's me. Uh, third worst I have right now... Rogue One. I really hate that movie. <laughs> I'm going to put Rogue One right in that same spot, Pat. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Jordan? I begrudgingly agree. <laughs> so, so far, the worst Star Wars movies we have are Attack of the Clones, The Phantom Menace, Rogue One, uh, then I'll go with Return of the Jedi? Josh, I'm gonna put the last Jedi here. Jordan, now we're diverging a little bit. TLJ. Ooh boy. Uh, so then I'll go TLJ in my next spot. I'll go Return of the Jedi. Yes, Return of the Jedi. So I gotta go. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. It's time. Uh, I guess of note, I have two movies below one of the prequels but Revenge of the Sith is my number fourth I'm gonna have Revenge of the Sith here too I'm gonna put A New Hope A New Wow A New Pep Third best The Bronze Medal The Force Awakens Uh man I mean all of my criticisms in the past that it was playing into previous story beats like the way the characters are established is so much more fun than this movie it's it's, it works the force awakens i'm also gonna go with force awakens um yeah seeing ryan johnson direct really made me appreciate jj abrams can't wait till the third movie here (laughs) ouch bro revenge of the sith here for me so now i think we all have left in our top two empire and a new hope to sort out uh, no, I'll go. Jordan's already said a new hope. Oh. So for Thank my God. number two, I'll say Empire. I think it's a perfect movie in a lot of senses. I got a new hope for number two. Jordan has to figure out what. <laughs> yeah, what have I not skipped. said yet? I, I was definitely doing, doing this on the fly. Uh, yeah, I mean. Force Awakens a seer and then Empire Strikes Back is the best. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So what's your, what's your second fave, Jordan? Empire Strikes Back is the best one. And then and then after that it's I mean, after that it's really just the top three, four are all like fun to watch. I to this day think a new hope is still better than Empire because a new hope is the mm-hmm. only standalone Star Wars movie that's ever been made. It's you can watch it from beginning and not know anything about the characters until the end and have a satisfactory resolution. It's a perfect, a perfect quintessential hero's journey story told. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I would rather watch it than Empire. I think Empire has a bigger budget, but A New Hope. Got it. A New Hope is the Star Wars movie 
to me. But Josh, you have Empire at number one. Yeah, it's and like I feel po- you it's on like that. Poetry. I think that the only reason Empire can be above it is because of like the ground that New Hope built. And you're right, like there, it is a Star Wars. Isn't that what it was called in the beginning? It's called Star Wars. It's not called a New Hope. It's it's Star <laughs> yeah. Wars. It is Star Wars. Uh, let's be fair. <laughs> Star Wars, a pa- Star Wars story. Pappy, this is one of our longest pods ever. Uh, when do you think we'll be able to get this edit out? <laughs> I don't know. You're you're editing it, right, Josh? <laughs> I was planning on it, and then it turned into a two-hour pod. Like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, let's toss it to Wolfman. Start us up. <laughs> Ewok Clan, and of course, Wolftron, Stevie, and Mikey. Thanks for listening. That was close. <laughs> I watched The Last Jedi last night uh, with little to no expectations going into it and still somehow let down. Uh, I'm confused on the tone of the series as a whole. The Force Awakens offered more comedic bits but was a step in the right direction to kick off the franchise again. Rogue One was pretty bleak and everybody died in the end. The Last Jedi has dark moments that could have been really dramatic and impactful, but most of these scenes are undercut with gags and porgs. Uh, Kylo Ren would lash out in anger, only to have General Hux make a joke of the whole scene. Luke Skywalker at one point jerks off a space goat and drinks its milk, and I guess I'm supposed to find that funny instead of disgusting by the way Rey looks looks directly at the camera. The casino scene was a waste of time and offered nothing to the plot other than to shoehorn in the weird character character that uh, Benicio Del Toro is playing. The actress playing Rose Tico wasn't that great, but somehow managed more screen time than Poe Dameron, who was out being completely useless for the whole movie. Poe's story arc goes nowhere, and he ends up just getting in the way during the big escape from Leia's ship. Uh, I will give Last Jedi a few compliments, though. Uh, the set piece in Snoke's chamber and fight scene is probably the best scene in the entire franchise. Uh, there's great action, amazing set design, and a pretty interesting conflict conflict between uh, Ray and Kylo that will eventually set up more movies. Uh, but I have to question, hasn't this entire franchise been based around the mysterious and powerful Supreme Leader Snoke? This is the same guy who gets chopped in half two-thirds of the way through the movie, and then we never even get to find out his backstory, purpose, or the extent of his powers? What the fuck? Snoke might as well have been a porg jerking off in the corner. There's no great mystery to him at all, and uh, he really could have been one of the more interesting plot points in this entire movie, uh, which it was all set up for. The entire franchise was set up around Snoke. I think I'm just disappointed because The Force Awakens was a solid step in the right direction, and then The Last Jedi took two big steps back. It looks amazing, but everything else in this movie falls flat. I can't complain too much about any movie I see these days, thanks to Movie Pass. But if I had paid out of pocket, I would have been more angry at the fact that I sat through two hours of fanboys hooting and hollering at the screen for a mediocre sci-fi movie. Hey, this is Stevie. Uh, this is the best YouTube Star Wars movie, meaning if you want to find the good parts, just go to YouTube and find those clips. Other than that, the places are pointless. I will give this the yes. It's better than Force Awakens, but The Force Awakens had a better story structure, and the story structure in this movie was a mess. See you folks later. Bye.
Hey guys, I, I just came back from seeing Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, and I mean, oh my gosh, this movie was incredible. Definitely, this movie was incredible. I'm, I'm almost lost for words about how great this was. This movie was insane. I, I give this movie a 10 out of 10. If you haven't seen this movie, even if you don't like so just see the movie. It is great. Oh my gosh. I, I'm still blown away by what I just saw. It's such a good movie. It's fa freaking fantastic. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm going to bed soon, so. May the force be with you. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Please don't forget to leave us a review by searching for movie spoilers, clicking on the cereal bowl, select the reviews tab, and leave us some stars and some words. That was spoilers. are you guys talking about the isolation tank <clears throat> how do you how do you stay afloat the whole time dude it's got it's so salty it's got uh, uh like a thousand okay. like or a thousand i don't know if how many pounds worth of salt in there but it's like you know you have to try to float it's weird how cold how cold is it it's kind of cold but like it's pretty self-contained like your body heat heats it up pretty quick but oh. How, like how deep is it? Uh, like two feet. Sounds oh, pretty okay. amazing. It was pretty cool. I I definitely had like like a semi psychedelic experience in it. Like, but like it, I got to tell really? Jordan, it took a while. Like, it took like forty five minutes to get still. <laughs> he kept bumping up against <laughs> yeah. the wall. I would bump up against the wall. Started like push off a little bit. Like literally five minutes later, I would dink against the right. I'm like fuck. <laughs> so I'd push off. And, like five minutes later, I'd slowly drift to the left. So I dink. <laughs> but when I was like in the middle, like stationary, it felt like I was like spinning around and around and around in circles. It was crazy. Like once I actually got there, it was just tough to get there. <laughs> <laughs> That's seriously one of the funniest things you've ever said. <laughs> Think. <laughs> 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 <laughs>